Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. Before we get into our passage this week, Heritage Bible Church wants to make sure you ladies out there are aware of an upcoming opportunity this week. Our 2019 Ladies Conference will be held on Friday, September 20th through Saturday, September 21st. This year's theme is Living Wise in a Foolish World. How timely is that? You can find out more and sign up on our website at www.hbc-boise.org. That's www.hbc-boise.org. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're continuing in our sermon series through the book of Mark. The passage this week is Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Now, you may think I just misspoke. It sounded like I said we're in the book of Mark, but the passage is in Matthew. That's correct. Before we complete Mark chapter 2 next week, Pastor Jim wants to prepare us for our continuation by taking a quick look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We don't often cover multiple chapters in a single message on Heritage Bible Radio, but this one sermon by Jesus spans three chapters in the book of Matthew, and it is packed. We know you will be blessed by the slice of the sermon for today's Heritage Bible Radio. It's likely, it seems likely to me, that Jesus announced this day probably before it happened. He probably said for a day or two that something significant was going to happen. With the special preparation of all night in prayer, with the public declaration identifying the twelve who were going to be the primary ones to launch the project of carrying the gospel to the world, with this free flow of miracles and this, this sudden gathering of a huge crowd, it makes me think Quite possibly, Jesus orchestrated this day to be special, and this was the centerpiece message of this day. Now, the people who were there that day were the immediate recipients of these blessed truths. As I said, the mixed multitude, disciples and and, uh, curiosity seekers, and, you know, who knows who all was there. But it is in the plan of God that these things were written down in this form by Matthew for those of us who would become disciples many generations later. Sometime I should stand up and read out loud the whole Sermon on the Mount, see how long it takes. I have a feeling this was more than a 15-minute devotional. I have a feeling that not all of it is word-for-word recorded for us, but this is the inspired, inerrant, profitable record of it that we have. And so it's written down for those of us who were to become disciples many generations later. I have called this the greatest sermon you never heard. You haven't heard it delivered, but it's here for you. Now, it isn't possible to even skim the contents of this great sermon of sermons in one sermon. Uh, Why do you think I spent 26 weeks on it? Uh, half a year. I'm sure if I did it again, I wouldn't squeeze it into 26. It would probably be 30 or more. But today I want to point out highlights from each of these three chapters. And I think 
this will help deepen your understanding of Mark as we continue through the book. Now, you know, we often point out when chapter divisions in your Bible are not helpful, um, and sometimes they disrupt the flow. And you could certainly make an argument that uh, you could make one chapter out of, or you could make the whole Sermon on the Mount one chapter, because it's one record of one thing spoken in one place at one time. Uh, Yeah, you could make that argument, but I will say this. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, does break down into three pretty legitimate subcontexts, if you will. Chapter 5, you could label, be perfect. Chapter 6, you could label, trust God. Chapter 7, you could label, build your house. Specifically, build your house on the rock. So just a couple of highlights today, and I want you to start to see the flow of this, and I want you to see how it describes what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven with your allegiance to the king. First of all, let's start out with be perfect. Uh, Jesus began this great sermon with the so-called beatitudes. Why are they called beatitudes? Well, beatitude is the Latin word for blessing. And they all begin with with the Greek word for blessed. The beatitudes is a series of pronouncements This is the kind of person who is blessed. In other words, here's a definition of a Christian. Here's a definition of what it means to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is is a, a composite picture of the kind of person who is transformed and possesses citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And having then stated the Beatitudes, and it, when you work through this, you've got to spend time on each Beatitude. They are so wonderful in what they describe and what they promise. But we're not going to do that today. Jesus then after that explained that He came to fulfill the Scriptures, the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And He explains in this sermon what it means to fulfill everything written in the Old Testament, and he explains how that was light years away from what they had been taught. Jesus came to fulfill it all, and he, I'll tell you, the bad guys in the Sermon on the Mount are the same bad guys you've been seeing. It's the Pharisees. The greatest enemy of the Son of God is a religious system that teaches anything other than the sufficiency of of Christ. If you were to ask anyone present that day who preached this sermon, who are the most righteous people you know? Every one of them would say the Pharisees. They dominated the, the, the worship, the everyday practice of the Jews of that day. Well, the Pharisees' brand of religion was what the common people of Israel in those days regarded as the standard of righteousness. They believed that the Pharisees were the the definition of the the kind of people who would be the leaders in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Can, Can you therefore imagine their shock when Jesus said this? Matthew chapter 5 verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the 
attitude in the teaching of the Pharisees was, if you try really, really hard and you give it your all, maybe you can become good enough to become one of us. And Jesus says, unless you leave them in the dust, you're not even going to see the front door of the kingdom of heaven. His message was both crystal clear and so shocking, it must have hit like a lightning bolt. Not only were the Pharisees not the quintessence of righteousness, they didn't even register in what true righteousness was. What a shock that statement was. Imagine if we said, we're going to have open tryouts for our basketball team. As long as you have uh, at least 10 years worth of statistics that completely exceed Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant combined, you can't even try out. Okay? And that's a lame analogy. In other words, Jesus put the standard out of reach. I bet you could have heard a pin drop when he said that, except for all the gasps. What did he just say? Did, did, did he just say the, the, the Pharisees aren't even close? Wow! Well, what does he mean by that? Well, he's a good preacher. He explained. You work your way through the rest of chapter 5 and you'll see several examples of contrasts between the ways the Pharisees interpreted and applied the Word of God and the true meaning of the Word of God. In every case, the Pharisees come out on the short end of the comparison. And so he says, you have to greatly exceed the most righteous ones you can even think of. Oh, and by the way, here's how badly they fall short. And then he hits them with the bombshell again in different words at the end of Matthew 5, verse 48. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What does he mean by that? Well, he means you've got to be perfect. Uh, The word translated perfect is teleos. And for a glimmer of a moment, you could think, well, maybe I have a shot because that word is often translated... um, mature, you know, you got to be mature in your faith, but he says, you've got to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What's the standard of righteousness? God's perfect righteousness. That's what you need. Absolute perfection. And that is utterly impossible on your own power. That was his message. And if you wonder how Jesus can demand the impossible, well, you've come to the right place to get your thinking squared away on that. He later is going to say about salvation when His disciples ask the question, well, well if that's the way it is, then, then, then who can be saved? Jesus' answer to that question is Matthew nineteen twenty six. With people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So when you get to the end of chapter 5, you should be right where Jesus started this sermon. He said in Matthew 5, verse 3, Blessed are, and that means the ones who have the blessing, the ones who possess the citizenship in the kingdom, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You need to realize what he means by poor in spirit. There are words for various aspects of poverty and 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 this one is the most drastic this one does not mean uh, a little bit too much month left over at the end of the paycheck 
This one means you have nothing. This one means you won't eat unless someone gives you something. Total beggarly poor. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.